Hello and welcome to World at Law, a podcast from Carter Perry Bailey discussing the law, business and the business of insurance and reinsurance. I'm Robert Harrison, consultant at CPB, and with me is Sam Zazerny, solicitor at CPB, talking to a recent paper concerning artificial intelligence. Hi, Robert. Well, yes, this article came about because of the opening of Amazon Go in Capitol Hill. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it was the first cashierless supermarket. So a customer could enter the supermarket and take the goods off the shelf and leave without seeing a cashier. So what seems to be without paying, but of course there is a computer system which scans the customer as they enter and charges their account through their Amazon account. So it's really seeing computers carry out tasks that were previously undertaken by humans. And I think we're seeing an increased use of AI recently. And so I thought it'd be interesting to look at it from an insurance perspective and consider what sort of claims may arise and whether the current insurance products are really keeping up with the ever-evolving demands of their insureds. So to have a look at what is artificial intelligence, also known as AI, it's not intelligence as such. That's a little bit misleading because the computers are only as intelligent really as the individuals that build them and create the algorithms to put into the computers. So a complex algorithm may make a computer appear intelligent, but because computers can't think freely, they don't really have intelligence. But we've seen that AI is already integrated into most of our lives. I think almost everybody will be familiar with it. There was a government publication in 2019 that said that one in five homes now owns a smart speaker. Certainly we have a few of them in our house. And I think people see it in their day-to-day lives all the time, even if they aren't aware of it. There are smart toys that talk back to children. You may encounter a chatbot when you call a customer services line. Or you may have a music streaming account. And you see that the music streaming service will choose a song that they think you will like based on songs that you've listened to in the past. At the other end of the spectrum, there are autonomous cars. And I don't think we're going to be that far away from seeing driverless cars deliver products into our home. So AI really is everywhere already. And I think in the professional world, it's being used more and more as well. In the medical profession, They use AI for reviewing routine scans for relatively easily identifiable abnormalities. Where it's being done by a computer, this frees up time for medical professionals to carry out face-to-face consultations instead. So also consider it a legal profession. There are tasks that are usually carried out by paralegals, such as disclosure or redacting documents. And these are now increasingly being undertaken by computers. I've seen reports that predict that eventually AI will be so sophisticated that it will be able to provide legal advice and predict the outcome of legal claims with quite a high degree of accuracy. Well, hopefully that will be some time after I've retired, uh, which in itself is some distance away. Thanks, Sam. Yes, indeed, the cost-saving potential of AI applied to due diligence and mass data analysis for the purposes of disclosure has been particularly vaunted around the legal market, uh, and that looks to be particularly promising. If one has a huge data set which requires analysing for the appearance of some quite small or slight reference, one can imagine that simply logging in a phrase or phrases or the name of an insured or the name of a party to a piece of litigation, one can imagine that 
that task was particularly well suited for AI set up accordingly and appropriately to search for that particular field. Exactly. I can think of many tasks, document review, redaction, like you say, these incredibly time-consuming tasks that need to be carried out and can be expensive for the client, but are actually quite basic in nature and can be carried out by a computer. So I think that it will be used more and more. I think the difficulty lies in that although these machines are carrying out these tasks, there's still very much a human element to it. It is a person that creates these algorithms, and so they are still fallible and mistakes can be made. To carry on the legal example of what might happen when things go wrong, if we take a large, complex commercial litigation claim, and within that there is the exercise of disclosure, and so that is carried out electronically. And let's say it's using an AI system, and that system decides which documents are sent to the other side. Within that, some privileged and highly prejudicial information is sent to the other side solicitors, uh, which causes a huge loss to the client. Trying to look back at what went wrong, was there an issue with the AI system? Therefore, you might have had a defective product, so there could be a product liability claim. Was there an error made by the lawyer that put the information into the system? In which case you might be looking at an E&O claim or a professional negligence claim. Or was it the AI system was actually hacked? And so you might be looking at a cyber claim. There are many different ways that it could go wrong. And it could be a very difficult and very expensive exercise to try and trace back to see where the problem occurred, to see where you may have a claim. Yes, I think in addition to the use of AI, it doesn't come straight out of the box as an intuitive piece of assistance to you. There are clearly lots of training issues. And I know that notwithstanding the suggestions about what AA can achieve, there's an apparent reluctance at present by business for wholesale migration to AI because of the need for staff to be tutored on what AI means for each business. And indeed, notwithstanding my earlier comments, Sam, recent research reveals that only 16% of lawyers are applying AI to due diligence and only 12% are applying it to e-disclosure, where huge time and cost saving is nonetheless on offer. I agree. I think there are still many unknowns. And I think, uh, speaking as a lawyer, that we like the security of knowing that we've actually checked every document and we've had the final look at anything that goes out. So I think we're still very wary of relying on computer systems to do that, um, especially computers that, that claim they are thinking and that they are intelligent. So I still think, particularly for myself, I would have a reluctance to rely on it completely. But I think as these systems improve and they do become more commonplace and people are used to using them and know what needs to be put in to get the correct response and the correct output, I think it will continue to increase. Good. Well, pause there for the moment, Sam, because we're obviously seeing a huge increase in the use of work at home of automation and technology now with the COVID-19 lockdown. Do you see this as a watershed in promoting more use of AI and not only a greater reliance, but much more conversion to the benefits of AI? Yes, I think it could well be. We can already see that AI is being used in the fight against COVID. There are AI-assisted screening methods to increase the efficiency at which the systems can track and detect COVID. And I think certainly the way that the world has changed in the way that we are currently operating, there's an increased remote working 
And I think this is going to encourage businesses to consider ways in which their business can be carried out more efficiently. And this will undoubtedly lead to more AI. It will lead to a greater awareness of it. And I think it will make people look at how they can use these systems to benefit them. There can be time and cost savings. And I think that this is a a watershed moment for many reasons, but certainly the increased use of these systems is definitely one of them. However, I also think that this increased use and increased awareness is going to come with its own difficulties because, again, from the insurance perspective, the current products out there aren't necessarily sophisticated enough to be able to deal with this increased use in these systems because they are intelligent, they're technical, they're complicated. And I think it's very difficult for insurers to be able to predict what might go wrong. And therefore, it's difficult to produce wordings that are going to be able to deal with that. I think that at the moment, it's a question of whether insurers will be able to be proactive or whether they are just reactive to these ever-evolving systems and making sure that their products do deal with them adequately. At the moment, I think that what's required is for there to be a good relationship between the broker and the clients that the insurers and the insured know what systems are being used, how they're being used and what they're being used for. This is especially important, as we've just discussed, post-COVID, when we think that the use of these systems will increase. What we don't want is for the potential cost savings to then be lost on trying to look back at what went wrong when there are claims. Indeed, if a significant part of the driver for AI is the saving of huge amounts of human time, it can't be right, or at least it is counterproductive, isn't it, for liability to rest with a human for failing to examine the output of the AI product, whether that's in the medical product or other professional advice liabilities. To think of just three, what's going to be required, I would have thought, is bespoke liability wording, or I would certainly be very wary of off-the-shelf indemnities and exclusions and coverage limits. Yes, I agree. I think that it's going to be an interesting area to watch because I think that similar to when the cyber area first started to really increase, there's a worry that we're trying to keep up with something that changes at such a fast rate that we're always one step behind. So I think that insurers, insureds, brokers, everybody just needs to be aware of that. And I think there needs to be a positive effort to try and make sure that wordings are accurate and that they are up to date with systems that are being used. And that, like we say, that there's an open line of communication that everybody knows what's being used and when and that they are alive to the potential issues that could arise. Indeed, Sam. Uh, Liabilities for AI errors need to be accounted for not only in the contractual matrix between the AI programmer and the consumer, but by insurance products covering various E&O scenarios and the law itself. In the complex but entertaining case of B2C2, the cryptocurrency market maker and its coin trading platform, we have an early instance of judicial thinking about the application of AI. Uh, This was a case where the trading platform itself, completely independent of human action, and therefore driven solely by the algorithms that lay behind it, automatically traded in error and used an exchange rate 250 times the proper rate. The equivalent of a payment of £3 million was made for an outlay of less than £15,000. Now, Lord Mance, sitting as an international judge in Singapore, noted that, and I quote, 
the law must be adapted to the new worlds of algorithmic programs and artificial intelligence in a way that gives rise to the results that reason and justice would lead one to expect. Well, I've always thought that Lord Mounts was a very intelligent man and I agree with him there. And I think that the onus is on insurers to ensure that insurance and reinsurance wordings, wherever possible, lead to the same results. And that will avoid the delay and the costs associated with having to rely on a Supreme Court judge to find in your favour. Yeah, absolutely right, Sam. After all, Lord Mounts was in the minority in his judgment in that case as well. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Carter Perry Bailey. We hope you've enjoyed it and that it has provided some provocative thoughts. We welcome feedback, which you can do by emailing us. And, of course, you can also see other content at the firm's website at www.cpblaw.com. Bye for now.